You're locked into This Is How, the podcast where we go behind the scenes to uncover the job roles shaping the most influential brands and companies in culture. For free content, resources, and advice to kickstart your dream career, as well as insider tips direct from our podcast guests and industry experts, head to our website at thisishow.uk. My name is Gualia. I'm a freelance journalist and editor, the founder of a women's basketball collective called the Hackney Gazelles, and occasionally I DJ too. And my name is Alex, and I'm a creative director and copywriter working in sportswear and fashion, having founded the publications The Daily Street and Crep City magazine. This episode has been recorded over video call during the lockdown, so please excuse any bumps or background noise because, you know, it bees that way sometimes. On today's episode, we'll be meeting Matthew Newcomb, who works as a lead developer at award-winning mobile games company, Us Two Games. Hello, Matthew. Applause in the studio. (laughs) This is what we do. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome. Applause in the Zoom studio. Yeah, I love how you claimed that was a studio. (laughs) So lead developer at Us Two Games. Yeah. Talk us through your job, babe. It actually feels like quite a hard thing to describe really succinctly a developer role in games is is really a programmer it's somebody who is kind of writing code um and the code you know glues together the the things that make a game a game they glue together the interactions um when you press a button and what happens in that game and what you see but um now i'm in quite a small company so the really nice thing about that is actually you end up doing a little bit of everything um you do a bit of design you do a bit of coding you know, you even do a bit of art and animation here and there. And the reason why game development is sometimes really hard to describe is because it's, it's actually the meeting of, of so many different things that really come together to, to make such an amazing kind of game or title or product. But yeah, I think the simplest version of that, or at least the simplest version of what a programmer does is the kind of, yeah, the coding behind it, the coding behind the game that helps, helps glue these parts together to create an experience. Can you tell us what us two actually is like what are they and what do they do so so us two games is the name of the game studio um but we are actually um we're actually part of a larger company called us two so us two is kind of our parent company and the games team was this tiny team that started um in that larger company and when that very small team initially made monument valley which which ended up being a kind of a surprise success to the company in many ways um they started to take it a lot more seriously. So they formed this studio, the Us Two Games. For those that haven't played it, that, that game blew up like pretty much straight away, right? Yeah, it was a bit crazy. We had no idea how big Monument Valley was going to be. And the, the kind of the popularity it reached and the kind of the mainstream access it got was something that, that yeah, we were obviously incredibly excited about um, at Us Two and really... Um, what's the word, kind of validated uh, that team's efforts in trying to create artistic experiences. When I think of Monument Valley, I think of this kind of like slow meditative um, puzzle game where you're exploring this kind of beautiful architectural world through the act of kind of moving your avatar around and you're solving these, these puzzles which are, which are causing you to kind of stop for thought. So the, the sort of the emotional journey, the, the player that you're going on is very slow, it's very meditative and it's sort of wants you to have a, have a bit of a sense of introspection, um, which all sounds a bit pretentious, but that's, that's what we, you know, that's what we try to achieve, right? We try to achieve that slightly artistic thing of, of trying to make someone feel like they've gained something important from an experience. As a developer and a lead developer, especially how much of this 
are you in control of or you having to think of like the that emotional journey you're on about and the kind of reward system but also the business model do yeah. you do you get are you kind of like starting at the beginning of your journey when you're making a game and thinking all of that or is someone handing you all of that and you're just coding it no yeah so very much the opposite so the way we work is we go through um what we call prototyping which is where we try to generate ideas and that's typically like one or two people um, sitting in a room working together for a week or something uh, to create an idea that we think we care about. So um, with Assemble with K, which is the last game we released, that was myself and um, Leah, the, the person I was working with, came up with this idea of having these kind of nostalgic objects with tactile interactions that you could repair. Um, and we keyed off this idea and, and made a prototype that, that had an example of both how it should feel, how it should work in terms of mechanics, like what is the person doing when they're interacting with their phone and playing the game, but also in terms of story and emotion. So we built this level very early on where you build a, a cassette deck, you repair a cassette deck, and it's, and it's quite simple. You're like, you unscrew the back cover and you change the batteries and you put the cover back on and you wind in the tape on the um, cassette tape and then you put the cassette tape in. But what you hear when you press the play button is the story. Um, so it's the, it's the mother of a girl who is singing, but you come to realize that the girl who has brought you this cassette deck has actually lost her mum, And this is her lasting memory of her mum is this recording of her singing wow. on this cassette tape. That's cool. That's so deep. Good origin story. <laughs> oh, thanks. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we we try to have an understanding of what the entire experience is very, very early on because once you once you know what you're trying to do, it becomes a lot easier to to build everything out. So it's a storytelling um, endeavor. So as within your role, would you say part of that is essentially you're a storyteller? I think that's a good way of thinking about it, and the gaming medium allows you to do some fun things with that as well because you can tell a story through words and we do do that we have these segments where you're reading dialogue and you're listening to words that the characters are saying but you can also tell this story as you say through visual elements um and through play as well like what is broken on this object and why would it be broken you know if an object looks like it's been smashed then it's already telling you something about what the character has done to to break that object um so yeah, through one of the fun things about the medium is you get to take advantage of all these different senses, both kind of visual, audio, and reading, but also interaction. How are you interacting with the with the experience or with the world? And does that inform you more about the, the story or the emotional journey as well? Okay, I actually am starting to get this a little bit more, especially with a tangible example. Because before I'm like, what? So you just draw something and then you give it to someone who does numbers? Because I don't <laughs> Really but you can take it you can take it even simpler right like let's say you want a car to be driving around um then an artist might use um a, a modeling tool a modeling software so blender is a is a free to use very common tool in our industry to create 3d models and these are models that you will see in the game okay. um and so they they use techniques that are actually really really similar to sculpting so a lot of modeling is based on on sculpting techniques it's just instead of sculpting this this physical object you're sculpting this digital object um and a car you can think of a car you know on the simplest level if you want to do a really simple interpretation of it then maybe it's just uh, like two two cubes right one is like stretched out and the other one sits on top Mm -hmm. um, and that might be enough to, to suggest to people it's a car. So maybe an artist will put that together and, and they'll, 
they'll have this 3D model and it will be a file on a computer, like a, like a special format. Um, and in the game engine we use, which is Unity, which is another um, kind of free game engine that's, that's used across the industry. Two, you can, two seconds. What, what's a game engine? Sorry, a game engine is, is a tool set that game teams use to create their games. So it handles okay. a lot of the work, the underlying work to um, show the game on the screen, um, to understand what controllers are plugged in. There's kind of a set of, a set of problems that a game has to solve. And a game engine solves a lot of these for you. And that one's called Unity, was that right? Yeah, and that's Unity, free. Yeah, yeah, it's free. Yeah, cool. And it's 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 got a great community. Um, it's really well supported. Um, yeah, it's perfect. It's perfect to start out with. So yes, yeah, so you take this car model, which is in um, which is in a, a format uh, that the artist has made, but that Unity understands, and then you can the developer or really the artist or anyone can drag this file into the game itself, where the game engine kind of holds holds all your data, and then it can pop it into the world for you and you'll see your your box model of your car ready to be hooked up to things, ready to kind of move around with code and with maths um, or anything like that. I know you've touched on Blender, but what were the software pieces that you used that were free and kind of like the most exciting resources that maybe that you use now? It's like, it's kind of a short list, like Blender. So Blender is huge um, and lets you make 3D stuff and Unity is huge and lets you basically just make almost the entirety of games. And there's, okay, there's big a big shout out to that one. Yeah, and they're, and they're both free. <laughs> yeah, so you, they're both free. So, so Unity, anyone who's listening, you can learn about the software that Matthew just mentioned, as well as other programs on thisishow.uk, because those links are available and you should utilize them, especially if so, you just said that Unity lets you learn the entirety of games. And are these things easy to learn? Because, I mean, it sounds great that they're free, but in my head, I'm like, I'm going to download this and within five minutes just be like, I don't know what the, I don't know what the hell this is. <laughs> so there are tutorial, there are YouTube tutorials out there that really help simplify things because it is daunting. I think a really good attitude is an attitude of being comfortable with being uncomfortable. And that took me a little bit of time to learn as well. But it's, it's okay to start something new and just be, to feel a bit overwhelmed. Just be like, God, I have no idea. How am I going to get into this? How am I going to understand this? And then you just chip away bit by bit, very slowly. And really quickly, that sense of, of feeling lost will kind of be replaced with that confidence of like, oh, cool, I'm kind of getting this now. And I sort of, I'm starting to understand how to, how to create the thing I wanted to create. You know what, like the thing, the thing that becomes okay once you've been working games for a while is actually that everybody makes mistakes, yeah. literally constantly. Is there quite a lot of maths involved with this, this kind um, of job? Is that something you need to be good at to become a developer, basically? It definitely helps. I actually hated maths for a really, really long time. Um, and I only started to enjoy maths when I started to make video games. But if someone's listening and they're like, oh man, up until now, I thought this was my dream job, but I'm rubbish at maths. I say, I'm out. Are they out? Do you know what I mean? It's, you know no, what I mean? absolutely not. It's, it's something that I think. So here's the thing, right? People who think they're rubbish at maths, like I guarantee you, they are totally capable of doing it. I feel like it's just been badly taught. It hasn't been engaged in the right way. It hasn't been clear why it's going to be fun. A lot of the maths for games, well, yeah, ironically, it's kind of it's sort of secondary school maths. It's like a lot of it is actually triangle based. Um, so it's not like you're doing incredibly hard stuff. It's just that you're you're taking these kind of fairly small 
maths things that, at least in my case, I basically learned once, hated it, never remembered it, never wanted to come back to it. <laughs> but you're finding this really fun way of actually using the same techniques, but to do things like, you know, someone throws up a ball in the air. You want to have someone in a game who throws up a ball in the air. That's definitely going to involve maths to work out where the ball's going to go. Or, you know, you want to shoot a gun. Well, again, you're going to need maths to figure out the velocity of the bullet and that kind of thing. Well, I'm guessing as well, these, these software, the, the programs you're using help you out with this stuff, right? You're not yeah. just like with an A4 pad of paper just trying to work out <laughs> these crazy math codes. No, definitely. They've, they've, again, they've solved some of the hard stuff for you. So you need to know what you want to use and you need to know why you want to use it. But you don't always have to remember how, you know, you don't have to write a sheet of A4 to get it working. What was your journey into that industry? Was it straight from like, did you go to uni? Did you go straight from that into the gaming industry? Did you always know you wanted to chase that down? Or did you kind of like stumble your way in? Yeah. Um, so to be honest, I, I, you know, at school, at secondary school and A-level, like I really wasn't planning to do something that technical. I actually really loved English. I really loved English and philosophy. And I really loved writing. Um, and I really enjoyed you know, I wasn't very good at it, but I really enjoyed trying to tell stories through writing. Um, and for a long time, I thought I thought that that's where I was leaning towards. Um, and then at A level um, and moving into university, so I so I did computing at A level. So I did maths, computing, and I also did uh, philosophy and English. And when I did computing, this was the first time I'd ever I'd ever done programming. Um, and I wasn't expecting. I mean, I knew I was a geek as a kid, right? Like I enjoyed playing video games and, and um, I was definitely nerdy. So I loved the technical side of stuff, but I didn't realize how much I'd enjoy the act of actually creating things with code. Yeah, and maybe you can compare it to something like the act of writing. The actual tool you're using to, to create something was, was enjoyable in and of itself to use. And, it, and games is an is a easy example of this, but coding in general is quite a creative process. Like you're doing something very logical, but at the end of the day, you're creatively solving a problem. And blending those two things is what I love most about it, is that you're not, it's not just scientific, it's not just technical, it is also creative. I really like this idea that you're saying that you kind of wanted to go into English and philosophy because you liked storytelling, but realized that writing wasn't the way for you to tell stories. I think there's a good lesson in there that like, especially early on, just kind of follow your passions and don't don't worry too much about how that's going to translate to a career later on, right? Definitely. I think you're a good example of that. I knew what I enjoyed, right? I knew that I enjoyed English. I knew that I enjoyed philosophy. I knew that I enjoyed computing. I hated maths, but I knew I enjoyed the others. And when I went to uni, and even after, you know, straight after uni, I was I had no idea what I wanted to do. I had no plan at all. What did but you I do was at uni again? Uh, so I ended up doing computer science at uni which is basically learning programming more than anything. How did um, you find it? Yeah, I really didn't enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hearing so really confusing stories here. You hated maths. Well, you, so you went and did computer programming well, at sorry, uni so. and you hated it. <laughs> and it sucks. Maybe I should give some better bit, some Maybe you just better love doing answer. stuff that you hate. It's therapy session. Uh, while we're talking about this, actually, it's a good time to question: Is the, in this industry is formal education important? In that, just you, are you expected to uh, have a degree? You know what? Ten years ago, yes, but honestly, thankfully now it's it's much less important. Like one of the really cool Yay, again, one of the cool I things. Love I that. That. 
yeah i i'm a unit dropout so that makes me okay, so happy awesome. yeah be proud um <laughs> Yeah, so so one of the really cool things about the games industry is these free tools, Unity and Blender and, and other things like that. Like people are making things in their own time, really inspiring stuff that is self-taught and it's really creative and it looks amazing. And you know, there's a giant Twitter community and a Discord community around creating game experiences kind of um with friends or on your own or with people that you've met online even. And so when Again, when it comes to, to applying to companies, when it comes to getting a job, if somebody has made experiences that are impressive and exciting, and they have shown that they've self-taught some of those skills, then especially at those kind of more junior levels, like that, that is really valuable. That's hugely yeah. valuable. Yeah, for sure. Oh my so God, if that, is, if that is you right now listening and you thought of a gaming idea, um, start hustling that and working yeah. on it. And also it doesn't have to be perfect for you to then start approaching people and showing them that you've had the know-how. And those courses to start getting to do those things are available at thisishow.uk. You can find out about free courses that you can do to build up your own knowledge at your own pace mm -hmm. on the platform and maybe you can send your CV or I guess your CV is in the form of a game and you can send that off to companies. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's sure. important to say as well now that if you're listening to this and you haven't done any of this before but you think this sounds like something you're interested in or the kind of job or industry you want to move into, um, get on there and get started. Like, don't, don't delay that. Just start You're teaching yourself now. There's free software out there. There's free tutorials. Uh, from the sounds of things, like formal education isn't even that important anymore. So just start building your own up. Yeah, and I think, you know, um, that idea of, how do you describe it earlier? Like not worrying about making something that isn't perfect is so important because what matters at that stage is like you're not going to, you're probably not going to make something you, you're really proud of until you've been doing it for kind of five or six years because yeah. you learn through you learn through the things that are imperfect and that's actually really important. So just having that like that humility of being okay with, you know, trying out an idea and it wasn't, didn't quite work. That's totally fine. But also, yeah, having that, um, again, that, that kind of will to, to dive into something hard and self-teach it and learn it and get better at it. bring this back to like jump off points in your career then when like what was your entry point into the games industry um yeah so after or like in my final year of uni i i was doing an internship um at um ubs bank which is actually uh yeah it's an investment bank in london um i'm guessing not that's not making games right <laughs> no <laughs> slash making passionate dreams happen <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think this was the exact, this is what happened when I didn't know what I wanted to do. Like I, I, I went to university and, and, um, I, I loved, so yeah, I really enjoyed the experience of being at university. I loved making friends. I loved having a good time, but the actual stuff I was learning, like I wasn't, again, it was like learning maths. I didn't really understand what it was going to be useful for. And I think part of that to, is probably to blame on me. Like I didn't really know what I was going to do with it. Um, and so you know, what, what actually happened at the end of university is I basically just took the first job that came along and our university had a lot of ties with, with um, investment banks. So a lot of people were, you know, were encouraged to apply. So I applied as well because everybody else was doing it. Um, and I got a job there and I started working there and um, I just realized that everybody who was working there 
didn't really care about what, you know, they, again, they weren't passionate about what they were doing. They were there to kind of do their job and do their job well and get paid well for it. But really they didn't, you know, the, what they were creating was not that important to them. Mm. Um, and when I was a lot younger, I looked down on that, which is really actually now that I'm older, I've realized it's actually like not really fair and a bit disrespectful because to be honest, I think it's okay to, to take a job that maybe isn't exciting or, you know, that you're not super passionate about because actually what you care about is funding your life outside of work and you yeah, want to have an awesome time outside of work. And that's totally, that's totally fine. But yeah, it was, it was thanks to that experience that I was like, I don't think I'm going to be happy if I'm working, if I'm not working with people who aren't super passionate about what they do. And so, um, I decided, you know, six months of that, that I was just going to, just going to try applying for something that I cared about. And I, and I did play games growing up and there was this, this company called rare in in the Midlands, um, who have an office like literally in the middle of nowhere. It's next to a zoo and that's it. There's nothing. Fab. Else. Oh, yes. But also <laughs> yeah, conflicting crazy. zoos really upset me, but also fab. Me too. So this is a company, they made a lot of games that are influential in my childhood. So, so when I realized I was a, I didn't really want to work for a bank, I just was like, oh, okay, well I'm just going to apply to this place that is a bit of a childhood, you know, sort of dream, I guess, or, or, you know, made games that I loved and just see what happens. So I sent off one application to this company and, and, you know, thankfully got, got pulled into an interview. Um, I remember being terrified in this interview because there was one guy who just like wasn't talking after there were three people interviewing me, two of them were really engaged. And the other one was just like, looked so bored, so bored. There's always that one, right? It's their job. <laughs> To wig you out, <laughs> and I, I was sure that. that he basically hated me. I, it was It turned out it wasn't deliberate. I, I remember I asked him about it afterwards, and he just had like a really bad day or something. And, oh. I don't know. It just wasn't it's so easy. To time, think that stuff, isn't it? Though, yeah, for sure. Especially when it's your, you know, it's your first few times doing interviews. It's always terrifying. But yeah, thankfully, thankfully, got in there. Um, and yeah, for the first couple of for a couple of years of my career, I started making uh, console games and worked on Halo, which is probably the biggest game, Man. the biggest game in terms of popularity that I've worked on. Um, wow. And yeah, I was working in this, yeah, this company full of, thankfully, like incredibly talented people, people who are incredibly passionate about what they do. Um, and yeah, I'm just so thankful for for the people I worked with and the manager I had, who was an amazing person who really helped guide me for my first couple of years, like made all the difference. This is a really good time for a segue about mentors, actually. So who are the people that shaped your career, including that manager? Let's start with them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, these aren't, these aren't going to be famous people, you know, and that's, that my mentors were often... I don't know any famous people yeah. in gaming. I'd be more shocked if you suddenly <laughs> listed all your mentors were famous people, Matthew. I love how I you say so. that with some kind of like, I'm sorry to let you down, but none of these people... Yeah, sorry, guys. Um, yeah, so the first, uh, the first manager I had, this, this guy called Richard Newen, who was um, a, just an incredibly patient friendly, calm, and insightful individual. And my first month working in this game studio with incredibly talented people around me was me making, um, I don't know if you guys, I'm sure you guys know Space Invaders. So I was basically remaking Space Invaders. Oh my God, I just downloaded it on my phone. Oh, cool. (laughs) 
so yeah so the first thing i did for a month was was just make space invaders but make it in 3d basically so having this i think the dolphin for some reason though i found a dolphin model uh in the files i had so i was like oh, okay i'll use the dolphin as the spaceship so it was basically dolphin firing lasers at space invaders oh my god i love this already <laughs> where can i download this uh sadly never a release although i'm sure it would have been a massive hit but probably infringed on some uh, copyright um <laughs> But yeah, so every every few days, so I was doing this by myself, and every few days, um, Rich would come around and see what I was doing and kind of probe me in the right way or help me when I was stuck. Or, and he, you know, he, the thing that was great about him is not like he would just give me the answers. He wouldn't just tell me what to do. He'd be like, oh, okay, so you're running into this problem. Like, why don't you think about Googling this? Or why don't you think about, you know, this idea? And he made me realize that it was important to, I don't want to say unblock myself, but I learned the skill set of, again, having something difficult in front of me and struggling, but taking the time to, to research the thing I didn't understand or find the resources I needed to learn about it and then spend the time learning about it so that I could come back, you know, the next day or two days later or whatever and, and be able to solve that problem will be able to, to tackle it in some way. I know that's something I struggled with for a while, but I think that maybe we think of mental figures in a very traditional sense. And I have to start thinking about yeah. my friends, mm. um, my family, and a lot of other different sort of roots. Um, even people that I just really admired on YouTube, but I didn't know as yeah. mental figures. What are they like for you? And where would you find them for gaming? So I think the world has actually changed a lot um since since i had mentors and actually with with twitter taking off there's a giant community out there um with people willing to help one another and um not only that there are some explicit groups set up for mentorship um where people are kind of trying to trying to reach out to game developers and try to link them up with mentorships and actually i know one of um a friend of mine runs a kind of a female orientated mentorship program where it's kind of specific for females to be helping other females kind of plug it plug it plug it what's her oh name oh my god love yeah, will, who is this icon uh yeah uh, a real hero yeah, I will. Um, uh, I can't remember the specifics, but I'll make sure that I, I pull up some links for you guys. Okay, cool. Um, so if you're listening and you want to find that out, then make sure you head to thisishow.uk because we'll have that there. And if you want to find your own mentors but don't know where to start, you can head to the platform and um, Matthew will have a few tips of maybe some Twitter handles that you can follow or some of the sites that you maybe haven't managed to find when you're going into the deep Reddit subthread. So this is how.uk for free tools and insights on how to begin your own networking today. You also mentioned how, like, when you were getting into the industry you know, social media hadn't really even taken off yet and it's all changed so much now. So what resources that exist today do you wish ex existed back then that would have really helped kickstart your career? I think Twitter more than anything. There's so much positive, uh, you know what, there's so much negativity on Twitter. Like, don't get me wrong, it's, it's, it's hard to pick through the noise sometimes. But my Twitter is, so I don't really follow friends. I follow, I follow people in the games industry. And whilst there are, there are still, you know, some proportion of Twitter is still scary to look at. And, and there are some people on there who are a little bit more hate-filled. On the whole, especially in the games industry, there's so much supportive positivity. There's people sharing images of, of art they're trying to create and getting feedback on it and, and getting liked and getting shared. And there's, 
you know, I could just okay. imagine stepping into that community. So you're, and, you're actually kind of recommending that people go and use Twitter almost like a, like a social network for work specifically. I think you can in do. The industry and yeah, like if, with if, them. Uh, if, yeah, I think I would. I think, I mean, I don't know what other industries are like. I know the games industry is quite Twitter heavy. Um, but yeah, definitely. Like if, again, if it's, if it's something you're passionate about and it's something you want to try creating within, then that community exists. I just thought you guys would be, weirdly, I thought you guys would be like Reddit. I don't know. Reddit just gives me more of a, like a community. Maybe it's the way that the Reddit logo looks and the, the little forward slash. It's the branding, right? The you branding were sucking in me. by the branding. <laughs> the branding to me screams gaming, but obviously I'm just an idiot. <laughs> no, not at all. I think it's because Twitter is a very visual, it's a way to have very visual conversations. Yeah. And because games are such a visual medium, I think it's it's easier to have those conversations and reactions on Twitter to some extent because because it's such a visual language. So I think Reddit is a bit less suited for conversations that are that are so kind of artistically based. If that makes sense. Mm, yeah, okay. I hear you. What would you tell your younger self um, if they were in this industry starting now? I think the difference now is that like you can make your thing your own thing. You can have an idea and actually make it by yourself the tools are out there and they're free and they're, they're easy enough to learn and be able to do that. And I think anybody, anybody trying to get into this industry, I, I would just, I'd really recommend trying to make your own thing because you'll learn so much and you'll learn what kind of creative expression you care about. Oh, I love that. Do it yourself guys. That's so nice. I think it's so much fear is attached from actually believing in yourself enough to think that you can do it on your own without having like, I don't know, a, a name above your door, doing it yourself is is scary, but it's so much more worthwhile when you can stand back, even if it's not perfect and look at something yeah. and be like, oh, I made that. There's so much digital support as well. There's, there's, you know, there's Slack communities, there's Discord communities, there's even just the amount of people, young people who are just sharing stuff on Twitter being like, hey, check out what I'm trying to do. And or maybe they're asking for help like that social media support that that didn't really used to exist when i was starting out i think is really present now and i think can help yeah. help you not feel alone even if you're making something on your own actually you you're, you are connected to this world out there that will help you along and i think that's like equally as important as going and like make something for yourself uh, and and having a go straight away is also having the courage to put that thing you've made in front of people like yourself matthew uh, and not being afraid of that and reaching out to those people saying, look, this, this is what I've done. Um, how could I do it better? Or how could I get this out in the world? Or yeah, what does it mean? What could I do with it? Um, I think that's just as important. I know that when I was starting out writing, I had a lot of passion for it. Um, but access was particularly difficult for me. Mm. Um, getting into writing, a lot of the time I was speaking to an, a much older white male editor who wasn't necessarily at the time interested in hearing black stories or hearing from a black woman be like, I want to talk about black hair before it was like a trend-based thing. Something that I think has already been discussed quite a lot across the gaming industries that access is quite difficult to get into that industry yeah. arena. Um, how do you advise people? Because sometimes a cover letter for certain demographics isn't enough. No, that's a, that's a really important question. It's really deep. And, you know, to preface everything I'm going to say next, I certainly do not think I'm the kind of expert voice on this conversation. Um, and it's, it's a really hard topic as well, because the games industry 
um, has been white male dominated for actually a really long time. Um, and this this conversation that is going on about diversity uh, in the workforce is, I think, particularly apt for for game development because it has been weighted um, it has been weighted towards more privileged people for a really really long time. And I think tackling tackling those things is is it's going to take time and it's going to be hard, but it absolutely has to be done and it needs to be a you know I, f- I feel like the thing that makes me feel encouraged by our studio is that it's a transparent conversation these are these kind of conversations that you're raising are conversations we're having internally on a on an almost weekly basis and we really encourage we're small right we're 30 people or 25 people so we're not massive and uh we really encourage everybody it doesn't matter how junior they are or how senior they are um we encourage them to come forward and have these conversations and we create breakout groups to, to try to figure out how to tackle some of these issues um in terms of solutions, again, it's, it's a very tricky one. We, we, as in our studio, are trying to do quite a lot of outreach. We actually have an internship program for underprivileged um, or kind of people from, a, from a, a slightly less privileged backgrounds in order to try to give them that opportunity to discover something that might be exciting. We tend oh, to do kind it. of one-week internships. Those internship opportunities, are they ways for people to not only gain experience but maybe stay within a community that they found, like, say, with you guys? Mm. That's a really good. It depends on the time in their life, of course. Like maybe they are. I think our last internship was. I think it was A level age, so they were going to university next, for example. Mm -hmm. But we certainly want to encourage that idea of it feeling like a community. Like we want to. What's the? I don't know. Like lower that barrier. Lower the barrier of accessibility as much as we can. I know every company says this. I wonder why every company says this, but we really do read every single application that comes to us. Oh, that's fab. That's amazing to hear. Oh, guys, if you're thinking of like, if anyone out there is thinking of a cute game with like a central black female character, <laughs> oh, we, uh, we have, I'm uh, vain. <laughs> you might like Assemble with Care, actually. Fab. I mean, I live for a central black female character. and Preferably if there's a sci-fi thing attached to it as well, then yeah, like make that game and send it to Matthew. Thanks. <laughs> I need that. All right, cool. Mini CV time. So if this is the first episode of this podcast you've tuned into, um, every episode we get our guests to fill out just for fun, a little mini CV, and we're going to go for it now. We haven't seen it yet, so let's see what Matt's Matt's written down. So name, Matt Newcomb. I hope I pronounced that right. Yeah, got that right. Tick. Yeah, we like to start warming in easy. Socials, (laughs) if you want to slide into the DMs, at Matt, with M-A-T-T, underscore C, underscore Newcomb, N-E-W-C-O-M-B-E. And there's that Instagram, Twitter, so yeah, Twitter. Twitter. Oh yeah, there was you never going to be Twitter. Instagram. He just is always on Twitter. <laughs> That's true. I, I hope you're on commission as well, man. You got some solid plugs in there. Job, <laughs> lead developer. We've gone over. That's good. Uh, company, us two games. We like, like them. They can yeah, say. yeah, yeah. I'm liking the sound of them. Career highlight. Wale, do you want to read that one? Now? Yep. Seeing the gasp and smiles of the elderly trying VR for the first time. <laughs> that is yeah. both cruel, but also very funny. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's quite a personal one to some extent. But it's just like, you know when you make something and you show it to your friend and they sort of, you know they sort of have to tell you that they like it? Yeah. 
Um, the cool thing about VR is like you just put it on somebody, you know, some of these people like 60 plus have never played video games in their life. And then you put this thing on them and then you get to see because their mouth is under the visor, right? So you can see their expression. You can't see their eyes. And then you just see their like jaw literally drop. You just um, know they're experiencing something. That... I've got the best visual in my head right now. <laughs> Mine is if I did this to my dad, he would definitely have some sort of heart attack. Yeah, my mum actually refused to uh, <laughs> refused to play it. <laughs> that was Last mine. Question: Why should we hire you? Answer: If there's nothing else, I'm happy to bring the teas to a meeting. Ah. Sold. Sold. Uh, easy, right? That's all you need to say in an interview. Yeah, a cup of tea fixes everything. Ah, uh, for sure. Apparently so. <laughs> well, Fab, that concludes our interview. I think that. Um, Alex and I, after some deliberation, will probably say, yeah, you've got the job, dude. Amazing. Thank you. In terms of last thoughts, it's important to be a storyteller and a creative thinker. A lot of digital jobs center around problem solving, but thinking of problem solving in a creative way. And I think with this one, your problem solving in a creative way has like almost immediate benefits in that you can see it really play out in front of you like a movie um, that you get to be a part of, which is really, really cool. And all of those things are built around a huge support network with tools like Blender and Unity. You're able to actually create a very fully rounded experience and there are people out there to help you. And if you like variation in your job role and teamwork, and as Boalia said, a lot of storytelling, then maybe this is the right industry for you. You don't have to like maths, guys. Definitely no. not. You'll learn to love it. That's the important thing. You'll learn to love it. That's good because that's a really difficult one for me. Because yeah, Eric, no for me does. as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's because it sucks at school so you much. You will learn to love it. <laughs> yeah, we didn't uh, really mean to make it sound that creepy. Yeah. <laughs> one other thing, actually, that if you are putting together your CV at the moment and you're like firing it out for job roles, do not overlook the cover letter. Don't so do the important. classic, like, copy-paste to everyone. People can see it a mile off. Yeah, especially, especially just starting out. Cover letter means more than anything. Like but that's that, good. You've got to see that as an opportunity, right? Because just be passionate. Get it in there. I'm going to say cheat a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say that for jobs that you don't really care about and that you're just getting in the money, like a cover letter that isn't necessarily overly personalized, that you are copy-pasting, that's fine. But if you're yeah. going for something that you're really passionate about and that you really want that job and you want the opportunity to prove how much you want it, then you should spend some time crafting something that is individual and that makes you stand out and that stays true to who you are. Mm -hmm. I love that this is <laughs> optimization at its best. <laughs> I just think that, you know, uh, work smarter, not harder. Yes, my favorite phrase. You've been listening to This Is How, created by Nominate and Liberty, your essential resource for finding a path into digital careers at the companies you love. Head over to our website at thisishow.uk to listen to more episodes, find an industry role most suited to you, and discover free training to help you get the job you want. <laughs> Thank you so much. That was a great interview. No, I appreciate the opportunity and yeah, I really believe in, in the cause you guys are pursuing. So yeah, nice one. You're going to start getting pictures from both of us now. Add another idea, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> well annoying. <laughs> Make this game. <laughs> awesome. <laughs>